You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. So my name is Jamin, uh, pastor here at 1208, and we've been moving through the book of Matthew. And if you're here last week, they heard me explain we're currently in like my, is it hot in here? Yes. yes. You made me turn that on, Janice. I know. <laughs> now you're telling me it's too hot versus too it's cold. It's all that moving around. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like if you just, if someone was to like listen through our podcast of all our messages There'd be like once a month where this mysterious Janice person gets called out in the middle of, <laughs> of everything. It's, who's this famous Janice? Uh, anyways, we're moving through the Sermon on the Mount, which is one of my favorite places, if not my favorite place in all of Scripture, because it's like the greatest message ever preached. Like three chapters full of Jesus just saying the best things you've ever heard flipping everything upside down on its head, everything that we thought we ever understood about Christianity, about God, about religion. Jesus flips it all upside down and preaches it backwards. And we're like, oh, huh. Apparently we were doing it the wrong way the whole time. And here's what's funny. Jesus preached it 2,000 years ago. And guess what? Nothing's changed. We're still doing it all the the wrong way. Because when we look at some of the things that Jesus talks about, it's like, man, we still haven't gotten that through our thick skulls. We're still living the ways that, that uh, make sense to us, which is really kind of what the Pharisees did. The Pharisees lived ways that, thank you very much. Pharisees lived ways that made sense based on how they read their scriptures. And when Jesus came, he kind of twisted those scriptures upside down on their head and said, actually, it's like this. If you understood it the right way, it would be this way. So, If you would like to uh, learn about all the backwards ways that Jesus preaches, go check out Matthew 5. Just read Matthew 5 through 7 straight through and just soak in that. In fact, even get in the habit of reading it like once a day or once a week until you start to get it in your head. It's meek who inherit the earth, not the powerful. It's the poor in spirit, the mourn, uh, the people mourning. These are the people who are blessed. And once you get that stuck in your head, you'll start to live out this Christianity thing in unique ways that go against the grain of the world and against the ways that Christians often live themselves. Okay, but today we're going to hone in on part of Matthew 6 in in which Jesus calls out the Pharisees. The Pharisees, if you don't know who they are, they were these people in the Bible who thought they understood God best, who who were at like the top of the game. They were like the people kind of representing the Pope of their time, if you will. So if you really wanted to know what God was like, you go to these Pharisees. But Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, he doesn't just think like your average churchgoer doesn't understand the kingdom of heaven. He sees the Pharisees as like the heretics. They're the ones who really don't understand heaven. And so he calls them out uh, very viciously. He gets on their back about the ways that... uh, They've been living and the things that they've been doing. So three things that Jesus calls the Pharisees out for. Okay, first off is their giving. They're giving. They give out of their own pride. In fact, Jesus frames it this way. Yes, you should be afraid. (laughs) Jesus says, 
This, this is a really funny picture, but this is the way that Jesus describes how the Pharisees did things. So imagine a Pharisee in modern-day Jackson. They're walking down by maybe, say, the post office in downtown Jackson when they come across uh, somebody asking for money. They would then walk up to that person, pull out their Pharisee wallet, whatever that was, pull out a dollar, and then... Get everybody's attention across downtown Jackson with a trumpet. Say, everyone gather around. <laughs> Seeth this dollar? I shall deposit it to this man right here. You're very welcome, sir. The grace of God and the blessing of God you have witnessed today. Be on your merry way now. You know, just like. <laughs> what? What is that? Apparently, that's how the Pharisees live. Like. They had to blow a trumpet to get people's attention, to bring everyone around to see the good things that they were doing. Now, last week we talked about how we need to do good things, but Jesus here is showing like the people who do the good things the wrong way. They're doing it out of their own pride. They're doing it to get attention from the people around them. They, they want to give someone a dollar, not to give someone a dollar, not to uh, deposit on them the blessings of God, but to show everybody else, look at me, I am the example of what God would do in this situation. Jesus says it backwards. Look, if you're going to give, don't do what the Pharisees do. Don't blow a trumpet, get everyone's attention, and, and give a dollar. Instead, give in secret. Don't let everybody know you gave. Do that. And that is how uh, God will accept your gift. It's not about pride. It's not about getting the attention of others. It's about you uh, serving God. It's just between you. Likewise, he does the same thing with prayers. Prayers. He, he wants people to not get amped up by their, uh, their praying. He doesn't want people to like, have the most beautiful words to pray the longest prayers and, and just get the attention of everyone around them with just how poetic they can state the things they're stating. Look, praying is great. And some of us... Uh, have wonderful ways of praying with wonderful amounts of words. But the Pharisees, Jesus saw in their hearts the reasons that they would pray these long, elaborate, wordy prayers is to get the attention of the people around them. That's always, I think, a, a difficulty with a lot of us when somebody, uh, when we're praying and somebody else in the room is like, mm, amen, yeah, mm, yes, God. I don't know about you, but I'm always like, oh, yeah, I got their attention now. Well, let me tell you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Something just happened. Uh, <laughs> Uh, anyways, what was I talking about? Ah, <laughs> oh, the light switch. Okay, yeah, yeah. So it's the one on the bottom right, I think, that no, got flipped. They, they turned back on. It's turned back on, so we just broke it. Never mind. Oh, it's on, is what you mean. <laughs> I'm very distracted tonight. I'm sorry. Uh, anyways, giving, when you give, give in secret, God accepts that. When you pray, Pray in secret. Jesus says, rather than pray the big elaborate prayers that the Pharisees pray to get the attention and the amens of other people, instead, you go inside of a closet and pray there. And God will see your prayers in that place. Now, of course, it's okay to pray corporately, pray with others. But Jesus is here trying to make the point, like, don't let it be about others getting into your prayers. Likewise, the Pharisees like to fast and let everybody know about it. This is where Jamin has been very pharisaical in his life. The first time I tried to fast, it was the worst fast of all time. I just remember like, all right, I'm going to do this. Let's do this. It's all about God. And instantly I forgot it was all about God. Because I think my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, was just like, hey, we're going to go get pizza. You want to go? 
but I just committed to fasting. Okay, so I still go for pizza, but I sit there and stare at it with longing eyes, trying to get the attention of everyone around the table. Sorry, I can't eat that. I'm fasting. It looks so good, though. I would love to eat that. But no, no, you go ahead. <laughs> I did that for three days. For three days. Everywhere I went, I made sure people knew I was fasting. It was ridiculous. Hey, guys, just leading worship today. It's hard, you know? <laughs> I'm so hungry, but we'll do it. We'll get through it. I got what was coming to me. I didn't know you can't eat a lot of food after you fast or you explode. So I learned the hard way. God got me Indian. Uh, but like... That right there, I was fasting for the attention of others. I was fasting to get everybody to look at me, look at what, spirit, what a spiritual kind of person yeah. Jamin is. These are Pharisee ways of life, giving, prayer, fasting. When you do Christian things, religious things, for the sake of getting the attention of others, that's called pride. That is called religion, which is not what Jesus was trying to preach, people to join a new religion. He was trying to get people to join the freedom of of what God is and what he's calling us into. Jesus had a word for these Pharisees based on the passages that I just shared with you. That word was, anybody? Hypocrite. What? What? No, hypocrite? Is that what you said? That is the right word. That's the word I was looking for. All right, hypocrite for 200. Indeed, hypocrites. Now, a lot of times when we use this word today, it's like the super insulting word that we put on other people, right? If you're a hypocrite, then you're saying one thing but doing another. But what I just described to you isn't really someone saying one thing and doing another thing. Uh, it's really more like a heart. Their heart is showing people, they're trying to show people one thing, but their heart deep down is another thing. Here's what a hypocrite was in Jesus' time. It wasn't someone... I mean, it's similar to what we think of today. But a hypocrite was a word used for a play actor. Okay? So a hypocrite, that's like someone who gets up on a stage and acts something out. In the same way that you look at a movie, at actors and actresses, back in Greek times, they would look at plays of hypocrites. Right? So these hypocrites would sometimes go out and put on a mask, you know, or at least put on a character. They had to pretend to be someone else because that's what acting is. And Jesus is going right up to them and saying, you're acting. You're acting like you've got it together, like you're religious. But deep down, elsewhere, he calls them like, you're, you're pretty on the outside, but ugly on the inside. It's kind of what Jesus says later. I'm paraphrasing. That's the message version, I think. <laughs> uh, but he calls them like whitewashed tombs. The tombs might look nice, but on the inside of the tomb, it's just a bunch of dead bones. Jesus saw their acting for what it was and he called attention to it. Now, here's what's uh, sad, I think. I think a lot of times Christians are prone to be like the Pharisees, prone to be like the actors. And we kind of put it on each other. One person acts like they got it all together, right? So the other person in the room acts like they got it all together too. And soon everybody goes to church and it's all just one big act, everyone pretending that they all have it together, together, Right? This happens in Pentecostal circles in a different way. I've, I've been in Pentecostal churches in, in good lights. There's a lot about me that's Pentecostal. But I've seen like people try to manifest the spirit around the room yes. because they see someone else trying to manifest yes. the spirit. And they feel jealous or envious or feel like they're lesser than if the spirit doesn't shake them a little bit too. So soon, everyone in the room is doing this. 
And they're all just acting. <laughs> and God can see that for what it's worth. And it's, it's, I understand why it happens. I've been there myself. Uh, but I've even heard like well-known revivalists say like 70% of what's happening in the room is real. <laughs> or no, 30% of what's happening in the room is real. And the other 70%, we're just kind of caught up in trying to look like the people around us. So it's acting. The church gets used to acting. Just like the Pharisees. But guys, the Pharisees, I think, I think the Pharisees were born out of a good place. And over time, things just got twisted. Just like Christians, we get born out of a good place. We go to church for good reasons. But then we begin to put on masks and act around each other as, uh, as time goes on. Because we're not paying attention to our hearts. The Pharisees, uh, I, I think the Pharisees are kind of born out of this movement, okay? So... God? <laughs> He's whistling at me. Um, so uh, the Jews of Jesus' time believed that God was going to come back and establish a kingdom. We believe that too, right? That's what Revelation is about. And in fact, uh, it's what the Gospels are about. Jesus came and he established a kingdom. But we believe as Christians that Jesus will come back down the road and establish it more in full, right? It will be cemented. It will be real and tangible, physical, manifest on the earth. The heavens, God will have it all. But in that time, uh, uh, in, in the time of Jesus' time, in the time of the Jews, they were waiting for that kingdom right then to come and be made manifest. They're waiting for the Messiah to show up and, and bring in God's kingdom and take reign of the earth. Now, the Jews were taught that there were a few ways to help God get this kingdom going or to keep the kingdom on track. And here's, here's what they were taught. They were taught that you could live out the laws in very rigorous detail because God gave us the law. And so if we can just live by all 600 plus of these rules to the best of our ability, well, that will help God hurry up and establish the kingdom quicker or will at least help him be able to bring it. They were taught that if they defended the law to everyone, defended their scriptures to everyone, and they kept the Gentiles back from attacking the scriptures, then they could excel the kingdom of God. It could come quicker. It could come in fullness sooner. The things that would hold God's kingdom off that would make it come later, the things that would hold God's kingdom off and make it come later would be to live in sin and to let Israel start to fall apart again. Because that's why they're in exile in the first place in Jesus' time. In the Old Testament, they were living such sinful lives, and God kept trying to warn them, stop it, stop it, or I have to let you go into exile. But they wouldn't stop. And because they never stop, eventually they end up in exile. And so they, they create this hard correction, right? If I'm in exile because I didn't follow the law, if I'm in exile because I sinned, then to make God bring his promised kingdom back, maybe I should do the opposite. And so it's born out of a good place. I don't want to sin anymore. I want to be better. I don't want to uh, deny the good law God's given me. I want to live by all 600 of those rules. Well, guess where the Pharisees come out of? <laughs> this movement. I got to keep all the rules. I got to do it right because that will bring God's kingdom quicker in fullness. Likewise, they believed like when uh, other Jews were going astray, that they needed to stop those things from happening so God's kingdom could come quicker. You want to know why Paul persecuted the Christians when Paul wasn't saved yet? 
It's probably because he was trying to help God's kingdom come quicker. He wanted to end what he thought was heretics of his faith. And so he persecuted Christians. And then eventually God opened his eyes and showed him that Jesus was the Messiah and that changed his life around. Uh, but nonetheless, here's what the Pharisees did. They did a good thing. They focused on God's rules. They focused on not sinning. But their focus eventually became their ability to follow rules rather than to follow the rule giver, right? Their focus eventually became on words on a page rather than the one who inspired those words onto the page. And when your focus becomes on upholding 600 plus rules, guess what your focus eventually becomes to be about? Yourself. What did I do today? <laughs> How did I break the rules? How did I complete them? Uh, what can I do better? And eventually, those sound like good things, but eventually it just becomes like a pride issue. Wow, 600 rules, and today I upheld all of them. Today I didn't, I was, I was tempted against probably 300 of these rules today, and I didn't even break it. Eventually it becomes all about you, this false righteousness, this pride about yourself. And that's where the Pharisees end up by the time of Jesus, right? Rather than, than following the rules to follow God, they're making big deals out of themselves. Ah, this man needs money. I have the money. I don't know why I keep saying it like that. I shall give him money, right? Everybody gather around. Watch how I follow God's ways. Ah, we need to pray. Thou shalt, art thou Lord, right? Like... <laughs> Fasting. Oh, I'm so hungry today. Why? Because I'm following God, right? So everything just twists. They're doing good things, but the things, Jesus says, like, these don't matter at all. These are all about yourself. They're not about God at all. And I don't know about you, but I'm prone to become a Pharisee. <laughs> I, I like to turn God into rules. If I do A, B, and C, then I please God today. If I do D, E, and F, then I didn't please God at all today. And really, I'm trying to please a, a spiritual checklist. In fact, when I was in college, I made a spiritual development checklist, okay? I remember I was just like, I gotta get my Christianity on track. I gotta, I gotta do better. So I, I opened up an app and I made this checklist. You're going to read this many verses every day. You're going to read some extra books every day, pray for this long every day, uh, you're gonna uh, do A, B, C, D, E, F, G every single day. Two days go by and I hadn't really done any of it yet, but I was working on it, okay? So two days go by and then I'm getting prayed over by a guy who always hears the Holy Spirit. Even I don't, I don't think he even knows when it's happening. He just does it. Uh, but he's praying over me in the first words or at least the second, uh, third maybe, I don't know. Well, words that came out of his mouth eventually during that prayer time was God, would you just, with Jamin, don't be a check on a list of things to do. I'm like, oh, I, okay, all right, fine, I see. Hear you loud and clear. The spiritual development checklist isn't working out. Look, the list isn't like bad, but my focus was easily becoming about a list, about completing that list, and therefore about myself and what I've done, rather than about the God of that list. I thought I could turn God into rules to, to structure on a page and it was going to be the death of me. Look, when we do works 
for the sake of doing works, when we're focused on the law instead of the lawgiver, on the list instead of the one behind the list, then any of the completion of that list, any of the follow-through with that law, the works we do in that light, it's nothing more than ambergris. And it's not a common word. You may not know what ambergris is. But ambergris, it smells nice. It's pleasing. It's attractive. When people walk by wearing ambergris in their cologne, it catches your attention. The Pharisees are like ambergris. They have people's attention. People smell it as they go by and they turn and they look. But then you find out what ambergris is. And it's really just whale poop, right? Maybe you saw that Bob's Burgers episode. That's how I learned about it. <laughs> but whale poop. So allow me to explain how this works out. You didn't know you were coming to church. Let me go to the Super Bowl quick. Um, whales eat squid. Sperm whales eat squid. But squid have tough beaks. If you ever played Mario, you've seen that beak thing, right? As they're attacking you. So some, <laughs> what's it mean? Covering their eyes for me. So somewhere along the digestive tract, the beaks kind of lump up together and whales have a hard time getting rid of them. So the whale starts to cover the beaks with a mixture of sorts that helps it be expelled easier rather than constipated. Or it can turn into a 100-pound ball and kill the whale and then just the ambergris will float up to this ocean. And then it will come along the beach and people will pick it up. Now, we don't know if it's whale vomit or whale crap. All we know is that when it comes out, it smells like cow manure. So I'm going with the whale crap myself, right? So that's what ambergris is. It's used in things like Chanel number no. five, which should have been called Chanel number no. two. <laughs> I'll wait all night to pull that one out. Uh, and then, here's what's weird though, it smells like crap when it comes out, it smells like manure, but over even, I think, years, it starts to smell really good. I don't know why. <laughs> the people who originally found it and were using it in perfumes, they didn't know what it was, because you don't usually see sperm whales pooping. Uh, but uh, uh, eventually when we found out, we're like, oh my gosh, we're spraying this on our bodies, right? That's the Pharisees. The Pharisees are ambergris, okay? They're walking around, they smell nice, but everybody knows they're just covered in whale butt, right? At the end of the day, that's what it is. They have your attention. They're attractive. They smell good. But it's not what you think it is. <laughs> it's not what you think it is. And as you figured out what it is, suddenly you're like, uh, that is quite appalling that you put that on your neck and then made out with your significant other after, right? <laughs> All this being said, what are we talking about? You got to pay attention to your heart, right? If you don't want to end up being ambergris to the people around you, you got to pay attention to your heart. What's underneath your accomplishments? What's your drive to do the things that you're doing? What's underneath your mask? What's going on deep within your hearts? Are you focused on God's rules or the God who gave the rules? On the list to be better or on the God who's behind the list? Are you ambergris or rose in blossom? A rose smells nice. It looks nice, unlike ambergris, which just looks like a rock, <laughs> an aged rock. And a rose is alive. Ambergris is literally a collection of dead things, right? 
So we have a choice in our works, in our actions, in the way that we live our lives. Life's lives. Are we going to be ambergris? Are we going to be roses? So that's, that's the call to us today because Jesus reserved his harshest words for the Pharisees. Uh, ben, you can come up. Jesus reserved his harshest words for the Pharisees everywhere he went. And I've heard it, I, I remember reading in one commentary something I thought very interesting. Based on the things that Jesus preached, when you look at like the people around at the time, Jesus' messages often lined up with the Pharisees a lot more than the other religious sects of the time. I just remember this commentary suggesting like, was Jesus so hard on the Pharisees because they're just so close and so wrong all at the same time? And I suggest that to you because I think becoming a Pharisee is one of the easiest things to do in church, to put on a mask, to fake it, to not let God get through to the brokenness, to try to look like the people around us who are all wearing masks. And when we do that, God isn't able to break through. And when we do that, our lives become ambergris rather than roses. So that's the extension to you. I'm not giving you an extension that isn't applied to myself. I've already told you the ways in which I've been pharisaical and the list could go on. Uh, but our hearts need to be clear before God. So we're going to take a song here. Uh, we're going to sing about the Sermon on the Mount in which the image of this backwards kingdom is painted so that we can get those words kind of like stuck in our heads for the night so we can try to become that backwards kingdom rather than the uh, right side up kingdom of the Pharisees. And then after that song, uh, Sarah's gonna bring us a little devotional. Uh, we're gonna take communion. So um, you can take out whatever posture you like, but would you start by standing with us? Prayer team will be in the back corner if anybody needs prayer for anything.